0: I'm Chris Barker. And I'm Will Betts, and this is the Music Tech My Forever Studio podcast. In
1: this podcast, we speak with producers, engineers, DJs, and industry figureheads about the Fantasy Forever Studio. The studio that our guest dreams up will be one that they have to live with forever. But as you might know by now, there are some rules in the Studio Foreverland. Understandable rules.
0: Yes, there are a few rules. Our guests can select a computer, a DAW, and an audio interface. Those are given... Then they have the entertaining task of selecting just six other bits of studio gear plus one non gear
1: related luxury item. But there's one tiny little rule they must not forget.
0: Yep, no bundles.
1: Yes, that's it. Any collection of software or hardware sold as a single item is illegal. Yes, today we are super privileged to have the incredible artist, producer and composer Matthew Herbert. Matthew's talents have seen him work as a DJ, film composer, electronic musician, creative director of the world-famous BBC Radiophonic Workshop, and get knee-deep in some amazing studio gear along the way. Will he be able to narrow down his favourite kit to just six items, though? Let's see. This is My Forever Studio with Matthew Herbert.
0: Welcome. Thank you very much. No worries. Thank you for joining us. So, as you heard, the rules are basically six bits of kit. That's your sort of dream studio. But first off, we want to talk about where you would put your dream studio in the world if it could be anywhere or out of this world in fact. Uh, it can be anywhere and what would it look like? What would be the vibe? What's your like favorite sort of creative environment?
2: Um I it's it's sort of really hard for me to separate the kind of um context around where the studio sits and the work that it that it it contains or that it produces and I I sort of I mean my dream place would be in Kyoto um, in a Japanese temple a Japanese Buddhist temple Um, I'd have to sort of obviously kick out all the monks and sort of I'd need them to come and still do the gardening Um, but you know I think I still think to some of the the favorite music that I've made or music that I most like was made in a really unpleasant sort of concrete shed in Greenwich. <laughs> um, and it was in a it was an old fire a place where they made fire different parts for fire engines. and um, it was yeah, it was sort of industrial unit didn't really have any heating. And uh, downstairs was well across the road was a sort of a, a garage studio um as in a uk garage studio and it was just at the beginning of grime and there was pay as you go recording in there and i went in and played some keys for them and then and then we got uh, my friend nick who um, released some of my first records and was really into jeff mills and lot and we used to out to the part lost parties and things he um he had a little studio downstairs that i let him have and then he got chatting to one of the guys over there who was this young rapper kid uh, called Dylan and that that turned out to be dizzy rascal and so you'd have like dizzy rascal downstairs with Nick in my studio and then me upstairs and um, and this no windows um, they'd cut this illegal mezzanine into my studio um, where there wasn't enough head height so as you walked up the stairs you cracked your head on this concrete beam and there was rats everywhere it was totally disgusting it was like the opposite of my kind of Kyoto Buddhist fantasy. But you know the music, in a way, uh, I think is your way out. You know somehow is like your your projection, and I often yeah. think about all the incredible music that comes out of
0: or came out of Detroit, Sheffield as well, and Berlin. It's all these kind of post-industrial towns, Frankfurt. Yeah, and then yeah.
2: But then you know when you look at somewhere like Barcelona and all the cultural investments gone in Barcelona, you think about how much, how many iconic bands have come out of Barcelona, and I'm. And I would struggle to, you know, no disrespect yeah. to the Spanish, but I would struggle to think, you know, to, about the sort of global impact of, of the So what we're there, thinking so. is maybe there's no,
0: like, it's kind of like the equivalent of being born into money, I guess. It's kind of, it's difficult to chase that dream if, like, you're sort of comfortable on the outset. Like, if if you're in Kyoto, do a bit of gardening, you might not ever get around to making music. Yeah. Maybe you need to be in some hellhole <laughs> to try
2: and escape it. Well, I just sort of think maybe mm. music's born of friction instead, you know, and and uh, you know the sort of the creative process is is forged you know it can it's it's difficult and it's a struggle and it's um, it's hard work and then it's it's suddenly upon you and then it's gone again and then it's then there's a sort of relentlessness to it as well of the kind of the craft of it you know I the thing that I think nobody really explains properly to students and things is the fact that it's not can you write a hit song it's can you Mm. write four and a half thousand of them you know because mm. to make a career out of doing music you know like you've just got to keep doing it and doing it i mean in the last in the last 6 months i've probably written sort of somewhere between 4 and 600 bits wow. of orchestral and electronic music for these film yeah. these tv series that i'm doing and a film that i did and it's just the need to sort of keep sort of sort of keep doing it you know yeah
0: it's that kind of um it's what
2: separates somebody from you know
0: being an amateur and to being a professional a lot of the ways in music industry it's that that old cliche that inspiration is for amateurs isn't it it's just you've just got to yeah you can't you can't wait if somebody wants a film soundtrack you can't just wait around until you have the inspiration for it so you have to force
2: and really push that on yeah and or you have to create systems and structures around you to be able to do that and so you know and as I've got older you know I was really even though I'm sort of romanticizing this time in Greenwich you know it was it was also deeply unpleasant you know in terms of it was very very cold um it, there was no cafe there was no sort of mod cons, and actually you know I'm nearly fifty, and now when I come down, I maybe uh, light some incense I've got like slippers that I put on um to walk into my sort of studio bit so that I'm like try and create some sort of barrier and try and create. A nice working environment um, because I sort of need, I I guess I need to have that kind of comfort. But I, you know, the other thing as well is that I'm really aware that comfort Mm -hmm. can bring really boring music as well. I mean, I often think about, I often think about poor old Paul McCartney, you know, which is, he's, you know, if you read um, Gear, whatever it used to be, whatever it's called now, Gear Stars or Gear. Gears. What's it called? Gear Space. Gear Space. So yeah. if you read Gear Space, you know, there's everyone chasing the perfect compressor and the perfect microphone and things like that. And you think someone like mm-hmm. Paul McCartney, um, I sort of mean this res- respectfully, even though it's not going to sound very <laughs> respectful, but you know, <laughs> he's got access to the best microphones, the best compressors, the best studio engineers, the best musicians. He can go to Kyoto and set up a studio there. And yet the music doesn't have the same fire and it doesn't have the same friction doesn't have the same impact in a way I guess that the music when he didn't have any of those things or had less access to that stuff or
0: yeah and that's like a lot of dance and electronic artists and uh, I think a lot of a lot of people that's why they've gone back to hardware especially electronic music to using the machines and the limitations of this one box does one thing because actually yeah, it's really difficult to wrap your head around the fact that you can do everything in Ableton
2: if you just get option paralysis. It's like, "Oh, where do I start?" And I think there's also the way that software is set up now um and the way that we think we we should um mix, for example, is that we think there should be a compressor on every uh, mm. on everything and there should be a master bus compressor and that everything should be EQ'd and everything like this. And actually when we first you know, the f- first started my generation when we first started making electronic and dance music, um, you know, you were lucky to have a well, there was no sound cards, you know. I had a cassette mm-hmm. I had a Casio F Z one that had yeah. eight outputs and each sound went so I had eight sounds going from each output into a into a pretty crappy studio master desk and that was it, no compressors and just had the mm-hmm. desk EQ. And um and very little compression, you know. And as a consequence, you get this kind of punch of the raw sound. It's not squashed or um, fighting. And so I think that we've, you know, we have to be careful with sort of creating these dead ends for ourselves in a a way. So I do think the hardware gives you you a route out of that.
0: So, I mean, what are we going to agree on then? We've got two kind of polar opposite studios there. If you're (laughs) my forever studio, the studio you want to be in forever, are you going to risk the the luxury Kyoto environment or are you going to
2: go for some concrete i'm definitely as long as i can take my family with me i'm i'm definitely committing to to kyoto i mean i i'm really lucky i my studio is in a 16th century chicken barn um (laughs) on the marshes and it's really beautiful thatched barn and there's windows there's 16 windows everywhere i look out i can see different things i see across the fields and things like that um but i've got i've got a dire rodent problem in the roof you know which is like there's it's full of then that
0: keeps you grounded back to the greenwich days they're there just to
2: remind you of those greenwich days and it it used to be voles and uh, the voles (laughs) uh sort of dead voles would fall out but it's starting to sound bigger i'm worried it's rats but basically it's this sort of really idyllic world and there's woodworm in the beam so the woodworm falls onto my my desk the, the dead woodworm beetles and then there's there's sort of rodent urine that drips out of the the thatching. So even though you think you're in some idyllic, and I really am I'm really it really is first world problem. So I'm look, I'm not really not complaining, but uh, in in some even somewhere like this idyllic, you can still find that friction, you know. Sharing it with a sharing it with other living things.
0: Imagine if that rat
2: urine causes some
0: kind of amazing machine malfunction that gives you a one-off sound and then you're chasing that for the rest of your life
2: yeah there is a um I did an album called bodily functions yes um and there is there's a track called addiction and at the beginning of that song there's the sound of a I can't remember if it was a mouse or a rat in a rubbish bin that got into that crappy studio in Greenwich so there's a little bit of a rodent theme going on here
0: there it goes it feels like they're necessary so I'm going to throw the rodents into Kyoto as well, just to keep you at home. I think you should have a, f- a few, a few rats roaming around in that studio there, just just to keep okay. you connected. Oh, thanks so much. <laughs> we've got we've got the nice space, and we we know what it feels like. Um, so the f- the first three items are free. Then no, they don't come out of your six because uh, we think that sort of everybody usually selects these. Uh, so you get. A computer, an audio interface, and a DAW. So tell us about those those three, what, you, what you're going to select.
2: I've already forgotten what they are. DAW, uh, an interface. Computer. Oh, a computer. Oh, yeah, computer.
0: okay. So it's just in case. Some people, you know, might go Atari, <laughs> you know, if they're brave.
2: <laughs> I've done the Atari <laughs> thing. I, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm over that. So it'd, um, be, a laptop, it'd be a Mac. Um, it has to be a laptop. I long ago abandoned a tower because... When you're, I mean, I don't tour anymore because of COVID and Brexit. But, um, but when you were doing that, you know, you could write and do, do, you know, do stems if you needed to in a, uh, in an airport lounge or what have you. So definitely be some sort of portable laptop um, interfaces. I've tried loads. I, I, I loved Prism for a long time, but then um, I've moved on to Burl and sort of modular system and so I've had that for about 5 or 6 years now mm. and that's that's really fantastic with the transformers that and I can choose to route whether the um so different of their sound cards some of them have transformers and some don't so I can I can choose depending on what I'm right. doing I can choose to route it through through extra transformers or not um and likewise on the input you can choose to record with a transformer on the input or not um just for a bit more body so, I mean, you've sort of already got your dream audio interface there. So
0: we don't even need to upsell your dreams. <laughs> on that. <We> <laughs> no. That's that's quite a heavyweight interface, isn't it? So what model is that, Will? What's uh, what's the top-end Burl Is it a Mothership B80?
1: Is that what you've got?
2: Yeah, it's the Mothership B80. And, and nice. then I've got uh, 8, 16, 24, 30. I've got about 32 outs and about 16 ins or something like that. But they're all different. They're all slightly Ooh. different colors. Um, yeah. So I can choose, yeah, I can route it. And so I've got a um, a Chandler um, mini mixer um, that's, spe- that's specifically tied to a certain set of outputs for doing things like remixes where I need to do, where I still want some. Um, so my main desk is a Neve 5088, um, um, but for, uh, and it's got all the shelf, it's got shelford induction eqs and compressors nice. and things across it um but for dark for sort of dance electronic stuff it can flatten the transients a bit too much um, and that's really pleasing when you're doing acoustic music or um or you've got time to really work on the mix to try and stop that happening so i've got a, se- a sort of separate rig so that i send it out to the chandler sort of summing mixer thing which has still got transformers on every channel um, but because it sums in a slightly different way, it allows me just to have instant recall on remixes and a slightly more yeah, yeah. underground sound. Or what. so
0: we go in for Mac laptop, I guess, and the Burl.
2: Going for a Mac laptop, yeah. I I just think, yeah, and the Burl, and what was the other thing? Oh, that's no like, a DAW. See? What you know? Oh, going
0: to? What would be the the one? I mean, you can select more in your six items, but this one you get for free.
1: <laughs> um, I mean, right right now. Just to just to warn you though, with your interface, you're not going no. to get the Chandler or the desk with it. Yeah. So those will have just to come out of your studio items. Just that's just okay, but, there.
2: but there's there is yeah, some yeah, transformer yeah. options, yeah. which is yeah. something that I really I really miss working. You know, doing the in the box stuff is that that transformer sound way more than the tube stuff. I used to have tons and tons mm-hmm. of tube stuff, which is all gone now, and uh, it's much more about transformers. Um, uh, and the DAW would be Logic. Um, I did, like many people, I did Cubase mm. in the early days. Well, it was before then, it was it was uh, hardware um, sequences. So I had a really crappy brother. I had a brother two track um, MIDI um, sequencer. Um, and it had no quantize and you had to do it in real time. So, and what happened was you would put down a track, say a drum track that was unquantizable Mm -hmm. as MIDI. And then when you were happy with it, and I put that in inverted commas, then you had to bounce that onto the second track. And then you'd say, you'd put down your bass on the track one. Then you'd have to merge them before you could add anything else. Um, So it's incredibly crude. And then my massive step up from that was an Alesis MMT8, which is a really brilliant, um, I know Carl Craig used to use those and, as a really brilliant kind of hands-on, it was like a bit like Ableton Push or something, um, but but MIDI only, mm. um, and you just sort of program it as a sort of series of sequences. That was really great. Then I did then I did the Atari and Cubase route, um, and then uh, my friend Patrick Polsinger, um, who's a really interesting sort of an important electronic music figure from Austria, he showed me Logic um, on a on a G3 Apple Mac um sometime in the nineties. I always remember this. This is one of my favourite sort of studio stories. He showed me he showed me a, a plug-in for the first time and then he he put three he put three plugins in. They put a fourth and then the computer crashed on the fourth. It's like, oh it's okay. You're never gonna need more than three plugins anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said to me. It really made me laugh seeing as what the sort of track count and Plug and count that we yeah. now have. And, and that would have been, um, was that
0: so. when Cubase, was it Neon that they had the little, or the little Moog type thing, single oscillator?
2: In? I, I hadn't got, I'd, I'd, I, I don't think I was even, you know, it was all black and white and it was, I don't think I was recording audio then. So I don't, it wasn't putting any out audio. It was just doing MIDI. Right. Um, and then, so I, I switched to Logic. Um, Logic was really brilliant. Then it got bought by Apple and it went down the, tube pretty quickly um but i sort of committed to that to that and then now i now it's got better again i think and mm. actually i've been helping them with some beta testing and put and help design some of the new sampler i'm not sure if i'm allowed to say this or not but helped with some of the new sampler stuff um that's in um that's in logic in the new one um, yeah in the new one so Amazing. and now that um now that Logic's sort of a bit more back on track, I think it's mm. it's it's pretty great. My favourite function, which I haven't found on any others, which I use probably more than anything else, is capture last take as recording. So you can just be playing something on the mm. keyboard, and then you and you're like, oh, that was good, and then you can press press something, and it's and it's sort of always recording into a buffer, so it captures it. And It now does this cool thing, which is even if you're not in record, even if the timeline's not running, you can just be playing around on the piano. Then you can still capture last take as recording, and you're like, oh, I did something amazing, and I caught it, and that's how I write now. I, I just write, and then if I do something I like, then I just sort of go back and and retrospectively It Kind of capture. eliminates
0: that kind of pressure of the record light being on, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. So there's there's your three locked in. We've got Logic, we've got the Bell, we've got a Mac laptop. Now we move on. We've got six bits of studio kit that you can have in your Kyoto paradise forever. What's it going to be?
2: It has to be a microphone. There's like, that's, yeah. I, d- I wouldn't be able to do my work without that.
0: Awesome speakers or, and headphones as well.
2: Well, you can, I do, I still write and I I mix on the laptop speakers, you know, I still, and I, oh. I, I use the little caps lock key and write, often hmm. write music with the little computer cu- typing on there. This is going to be
0: a very interesting my forever studio. If you have a burl, but you're monitoring through the laptop speakers,
2: yeah. <laughs> <I>, uh... <laughs> well, I I I do have better monitors than the laptop speakers, but you know I'll often be uh, often be in the house whilst the kids are doing their homework or something, and just at the kitchen table. And you know you should you should be able to mix on anything. You know you should be able to write and create music on anything. You know it's it's just a question of recalibrating your 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 brain and and it, you know it doesn't translate very well so you, I wouldn't commit to a mix but in terms of uh writing and things like that you know I, yeah. I think it's enough um but item number 1 what's going to be um it's going to be um a Chandler red mic microphone which is what I'm recording now and um m- one thing you should sort of I should probably confess right now is that I've gone very deep into gear over the last sort of 30 years That's Um, exactly
0: why we wanted you on the show.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Also, also at
1: the moment when you said Burl Mothership as your interface, I was like, okay, yeah, we've crossed the Rubicon here. We're going to get some good stuff. Um,
2: Yeah. And I've done, you know, I, I become, you know, I'm really particular about, um, about the equipment. Um, And I've been really fortunate in as much as I've earned enough money to try most things. and, and, basically i pretty much sell the whole studio every three years and start again Hmm. um and it's it's really fascinating what gear you miss and what gear you don't miss and Hmm. um why why do you do this why do you sell it all every three years what's the purpose i think it's just sort of slightly it's to stop myself becoming complacent and also it's just you hear the limitations Hmm. of what of what it is that you're trying trying to achieve so and also, is it not that it's
0: really nice fun setting up a new studio? It is like I, <laughs> I, I swear I get I get more of a kick now out of just rearranging my room and going oh maybe this needs to be over here I'll plug this in here maybe it needs to be all repatched. I like that's my actual hobby, not making music. <laughs>
2: yeah, it definitely it it definitely is fun to to rewire it. Um, but you know I've been doing it along. You know I'm getting old now. I'm sort of not far off fifty and. Um, I've had so many bits of kit come through, you know. So, for example, I my my if you'd have asked me three or four years ago, my dream one of my dream bits of kit would have been an EMT two forty gold plate reverb, which I had and was just the most beautiful thing. And then, if you'd asked me two years before that, it would have been an EMT two five two reverb, which I had, which is just so beautiful. Just sounds like nothing else. Um, better than a Bricasti. I think for what, for a particular sound that you're going for Mm. really gorgeous. Um, But, you know, it starts to be unrepairable and, you know, and also they are going up in value. So uh, my, my two, my, my EMT suddenly was worth many thousands of pounds. So it's like, well, I'd rather sell that and do something else, you know, also because as plugin technology is getting better and emulations are getting better, you'll get, it doesn't sound the same as a, you know. I've never heard a, a plugin get close to an EMT two five two, for example. But because I've got a really nice desk, if I route, um, you know, the thing that's really missing, I think, more than anything, is the hardware stage. So, um, so if you can run a plugin through a hardware stage, and because I'm lucky enough to have a Neve board with transformers at every stage and induction EQs and things like that, you can sort of Bring the signal a bit more back to life and a bit more three dimensional um, in in that way. Is there anything you really
0: regret getting rid
2: of over the years? So, uh, is there anything where it seemed like a good idea at the time and you wish you still had it? I had I had an EMT desk for a while um, that used to belong belong to Pierre Boulez, who set up ERCAM in, Whoa, in Paris. That's very cool. What a legend as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was really great. I did a record with Roshi Murphy from Maloko. I did a solo record with her on that. Um, I did a couple of records on it, but it was it the low EQ only had a fairly simple EQ. The low EQ was at forty hertz, which hmm. wasn't that sort of helpful. <laughs> Very helpful for music for... concrete, I'm sure. But yeah, <laughs> but for electronic music, it was sort of not that sort of not that helpful. So, um, and then I got offered a. I traded it for a Harrison Series 10 um, digital console, which was Mike Oldfield's old one, which cost quarter of a million pounds in 1980-something or the other. It's the first ever digitally controlled analog desk. It had seven power supplies, and um, it heated my whole house for the, for the winter just from these seven power supplies. My electricity bill was a 1,000 quid for three months because you had to leave it on constantly. It never worked properly. I mean, it sounded bottom end particularly sounded extraordinary it was really something really really fat juicy sound but woefully outdated um in terms of trying to sort of keep it running and up to date and fully functioning um but my best the best sort of uh fact from it is the um uh is that when he exported it from america it had so much computer technology and chips on it it had to have special dispensation from the American government that it wouldn't be used as a weapon. <laughs> so it had to it had to travel from America to England with sort of certification from the government that it wouldn't be weaponized. Now I realise some people would think what Mike Oldfield did with it might be considered <laughs> um <Yeah. laughs> violence. They or... don't
0: they don't use his tracks in Guantanamo Bay though, do they?
2: No. <laughs> no, no maybe not. But um but yeah it was an absolute it was an absolute beast. So, you know the the sort of the then the quest becomes: how do you get that proper, brilliant, big console, three D, gluey, gorgeous, wide open space, but without all the maintenance yeah. issues? You know, and that that's how I ended up with a Neve fifty eighty eight, which is it's got one power supply. I can turn it off at the end of the day and turn it back on again. So, tell us about the mic though the the, the item you're choosing, the Chandler mic. Yeah, well, I, I got really but I, I think it's a sort of perfect segue in a way, which is like what I really want is I want a big, um, I want a, uh, a big um, analog valve sound. sound, um, but I don't want all the maintenance issues. So I got very, uh, I got very into Lomo mics. So Lomo are sort of Russian, Russian mm. Neumanns and they're sort of half the price. They're maybe not half the price anymore, but um, really wonderful sound. So I had, um, I had one of the rarest ones, which is one of the best male vocal mics, which is a 19A13 um, square um, square looking mic. Um, I've never seen one for sale other than the one that I sold. And I imported wow. it from Ukraine and really special mic, but constant maintenance, you know, needed constant maintenance. And when in a professional circumstance, even though the studio is just for me, it's not like it's Abbey Road and functioning, you know, the thing, but you can't. You can't have a mic that just keeps going down. You know, I have to work and record every Mm. single day. I don't even really have time for that much maintenance, even proper maintenance that I should be doing. So I just need things to work. So I had this huge Lomo mic collection. I loved them all. Um, And then I just sold them all and bought this. And I'm so happy because it turns on every time it works. It doesn't crackle. I haven't had to do any maintenance on it yet. got a really great sound and what I really like about it there's so much body in it there'll be too much body I'll let you do the EQing and that's Mm -hmm. what I love about it is that it can be sort of quite thin and modern sounding by EQing it and and depending what what compressor you put on it um or it can have really thick weighty kind of sound to it Music Tech, brother Studio podcast is supported by Evo by
0: Audience, the fantastic Evo Start Recording Bundle, and the Evo 4 and Evo 8 interfaces.
1: Yes, if you're a beginner, you can enter the world of audio recording with the Evo Start Recording Bundle, a professional, powerful, and versatile solution for home recording from studio grade audio brand Audient. This comprises the Evo 4 audio interface, the remarkably robust SR1 large diaphragm condenser mic with shock mount, and a set of the Audient Evo SR2000 monitoring headphones. That's right. Featuring loopback and smart gain,
0: the new Evo Bundle and
1: Compact interfaces make sure you can achieve studio-quality recordings from the start. Smart gain means you don't have to worry about setting input levels, making it ideal for music makers who want to spend time creating, not engineering. And loopback lets you record everything you hear through the interface, making it a great fit for home recording rigs, podcasters, streamers, and content creators. Evo Start Recording Bundle is suggested to retail at £199, €220, Euros, and $249 in the usa discover evo online at evo.audio okay so let's move swiftly on
0: to item number two we've got that mic locked in that was the if you got that will the chandler yeah it's in
1: yeah locked it's
0: locked in okay so item number two you are going to need some monitors or some headphones surely
2: can can i just can i just say one of the best things about this mic as well is that it's it comes with a built-in mic pre as well so the box has its own mic pre, so I don't have to faff with a mic pre. So particularly on my desert island, I don't need to like then also ask for a mic pre because as you know, you can't just have a good mic. You've got to have a good mic pre. Whoa, that's a very, very
1: cheeky workaround.
2: <laughs> he's got he's got
0: around the no bundle rule. Well, he's done it he's done it very well. He's done it very well by getting a mic
2: that's got a built-in pre. That's that's, that's good. Saved you an item. Well, because my second item, if it were if it was mic pre's, would be uh a, a DW Fern might um which so I'm really uh, Doug Fern I think makes the best the best gear best modern gear um totally extraordinary it's not cheap uh, unfortunately but so I've just done an album where I um I worked with nine different singers and because we were recording during lockdown uh, all the singers recorded at home and of course they all had a whole variety of setups some much better than others and so what I did was um, when we've got these recordings uh, I've padded the mic signal down uh, the line signal down sorry and then run all of them through this this Doug Fern mic pre so you get some of that warmth and you get some of that body back into these quite thin sounding well not all of them are thin but some of them are a bit thinner than others and you get a sort of Around a more present um, sound to it, so and I guess it glues them all together a bit. A bit they all
0: sound like they've sort of come from the same source a bit more as well.
2: Yeah, exactly. And it really it makes a huge difference. Suddenly, the sort of vocals pop forwards in in the mix, and they come forwards rather than sort of being back and a bit more ap- apologetic. But um, so I do do want to shout out to Doug Fern and his amazing e- e- equipment, even though it's sort of eight grand for a stereo mic pre, but. Um, but yeah, that stuff is really yeah really amazing.
0: Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so got the mic locked in with its built-in preamp. Item number two, what's it going to be? It doesn't have to be something that's in your studio, so it can be something you've already, already It's you know fantasy. So
2: well, the thing is, is you know, I and I, I don't want to say this in such a way that makes me sound like uh, <laughs> say it. We know what you're going to say. Say it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just. I know how lucky I am. I know how privileged I am, which is, you know, I've sold, I've bought and sold a lot of gear and I've got rid of, you know, I've got rid of the bits that don't quite cut it. And I'm, I'm there. I'm pretty much there. Um, and so I, I am looking around because I've got rid of everything that I, you know, I had, I've just sold a culture vulture, um, 11th anniversary with new old Mm -hmm. stock Mollard tubes, sort of fancy limited edition thing, because I was like, you know what? I'm not really using it. And, there's other ways around this and it's nice to it's such a great feeling just to go, you know what, I don't, I don't, I don't need this. Um so my next bit of uh equipment. Am I allowed to take a console? Yeah, yeah, it's a single item. What am I doing in this fantasy studio? Like whatever you want to do. <laughs> you don't even have to use it.
0: That's not the purpose of the podcast.
2: <laughs> okay, I would like a console. Um I mean, everybody would love an old Neve console. I presume you've got a lot of people with a, with with Neve consoles. Oh yeah, in there. lot
0: of lot of
2: yeah, a lot of SSL G
0: series mm-hmm. as well. Uh, yeah. And classic, yeah. Uh, a few APIs we've had and a few Neves. It's pretty even spread actually. Yeah, we haven't had anything too wacky console wise, have we? Will no, not yet. We haven't had like a Focusrite yeah. or a Harrison or anything.
2: I I probably have my Neve fifty eighty eight just um just because I. In my fancy studio. Are you paying the electricity bills as well in this? Oh yeah. Yeah, oh, we yeah. pay the
0: electricity bills. Servicing isn't an issue either. So what kind of what kind of um fruit
2: bowl have you got going on? Like is it
1: Oh it's exquisite. It's exquisite. Okay. We've got Kiwis, yeah. We've got um yeah. the tiny bananas. <laughs> yeah, you know, the okay. little ones with the really thin skin. Yeah. <laughs> All of them. Whole lot. Tiny <laughs> bananas but
0: really massive
1: oranges. Outsized mm. fruit. Yeah. Okay, electricity bills, studios. So is that the consideration is what's my electricity bill going to be primarily? <laughs> After the Mike Oldfield scenario,
2: it seems important though, doesn't it? Well, it's, you know, I think, you know, as I said, being a bit older, you've you've sort of found out what the pros and cons of all these things are. You know, I had an 1176, yeah. I had a blackface, 1176, vocal, compressor for ages that I was like, oh, this is so great. And then I was like, but it's the same sound on everything. You know, it's the same sound and you can't get away from that sound. And it, and it's, it's a great sound. It does that sound brilliantly. And I miss that a little bit, but it's just the same sound on everything. This is why, this is why I think, um, Rupert Neve stuff, design stuff, I think is so well liked and revered and loved is because it can contain a variety of different or it can facilitate a variety of different styles of music. You know, I had I bought the SSL mm. fusion thing that they came out with recently and I had it for a week and then sold it. Mm. So it's just just sort of again, it's like you know, it made the sound a bit more punchy, but it brought the stereo image in and it took all the sub out of the bass. And so you lost warmth and you you sacrificed warmth and depth to get punch a sort of yeah. a kind of a modern sort of boxy sort of punch mm-hmm. noise which for certain things i can absolutely see is it works and is useful but it's again it's just it's one sound you know um yeah. do you think do you think that the
0: neve that you've got there will be the forever studio neve or is there was there one that you would have preferred to get but you couldn't because of the size of the barn or <laughs> the electricity
2: bill <laughs> i think it's just more about the maintenance you know i live down in east kent um there's two um there's two uh, uh engineer tech people round here and one's just retired and the other one is so busy and he's very very diligent and so he's quite slow and that's not a criticism of it because he does brilliant work and and but actually getting somebody if it goes down getting somebody out here to to fix it or getting someone to Kyoto. I mean, are you as part of your Yes, yeah, you know, you've got a full you have range a of tech okay. studio maintenance monk, I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. Got maintenance monk. Well mm. that's good. Um I think I'd still go for this. I think I'd still go for this 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 desk mainly because I don't have that's the one thing that I don't have huge amount of experience with is mixing on because I'm lucky enough to have my own room, I tend not to mix in other studios um, other than the orchestral stuff. And the orchestral stuff has a very different, um, you know, when you work at Abbey Road or Air or something like that, just the routing for all the different monitor sends and things like that. And then the, and then all the stemming required for Pro Tools and delivery of sort of surround stems to, um, to dubs and things like that. It's got so many functions that you don't, that you don't need, that that wouldn't be for me. So I'll take the fifty eighty eight, um, and with with some sort of EQ and compressors built in um, to it, because it's modular. So it's missing those bits when you buy it, and you slot those in. But oh, is that
0: is that a bundle? Well, I wealth? don't think that's a is bundle. Is
2: it a bundle?
1: But okay, I think we think I think we've allowed it in the past. Yeah, I, I, I think we did with the APIs, didn't
0: we? The APIs are similar, aren't they? Where they've got the kind of lunchbox things on there.
2: It's we'll a really it. boring we'll choice, but it's really it's really. um yeah, it's a good bit of kit. Item number three. Item number three, apart from the microphone, is probably the most important one, which is um, an Akai S612 sampler. Um, are you not going to get some monitors? I'm freaking out here. <laughs> so How you- I I <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: well I, You're keeping me on a knife I, edge. It's like, is it going to be all on laptop speakers? <laughs> this is, okay. Uh, sorry, go back to the sampler. Let's get to that. Item number three. is... Well, you
2: can't you can't make music out of monitors. The most important thing is I want to make stuff. That's what I do. Is I'm I make you know you know what I mean. You make things. Okay. So, um, also I'm still working out what I'm going to do in this studio. So, okay, like yeah, well freestyle it. Yeah, exactly. So, that, but this is the most important one, which is an Akai S612 Sampler, which is the first sampler Akai ever made, and they got it completely right with it. Um, it's yeah it's completely perfect I think it's a perfect bit of equipment and then bizarrely it all sort of it went wrong now and they still don't do still it's still not done in the same way now so um, it, the only downside is it only does one sound so you can only do one sound at a time but it's basically an analog synth equivalent of a sampler so it's just got a series of knobs on the front and um, and it's got no internal menus or anything like that. So the, I'm going to look at it now. Let me swing my mic around. Uh, so on, you have a mic and a line input. Then you have a recording level. So you can just turn the, the knob to measure the uh, recording level, monitor level. Then you, you've obviously got a sample button. Then you've got a, a MIDI up and down to set the channel. Then you've got uh one-way loop or alternating types of thing yeah. and then you've got an lfo section and you've got a really nice filter section and a, de- and a decay so you can take your sound and then you can add a little bit of decay to make it long you can filter it down you you can add a bit of an lfo and you've you've done it So um there's sort of various clips of me on youtube sort of making music on stage out of Hamburgers or like broken glass or what have you. And this is what I use um, mm. to do that because you can instantly get a sound going uh, and doing things. And you can manipulate
0: it with the knobs live rather than going through menus and dialing stuff in. Yeah. And the
2: the most, then the best and most brilliant thing about it, which is still not on modern samplers, is it's got a little um, slider for the st- sample yeah. start. And a little slider for the sample end. Hmm. So you can move them in real time whilst playing and triggering on MIDI. Whilst it's looping, yeah. And so you can get really dirty, nasty, extraordinary um, noises from it. It's like doing the old Pioneer DJ
0: trick of the in and out loop points and moving the, jo- yeah, moving exactly. the jog wheel. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, really extraordinary kind of um, hands on approach to sampling, which has never been replicated. So that would be. That's probably my most important bit of kit that I couldn't do without. A
0: great
1: choice. A great choice and a first for the podcast. Woo. Now I'm just looking this up on Vintage Synth Explorer and I'm seeing that it's only getting a 2 star out of 5 rating. Now, given you love this so much and it's clearly a very hands-on device, why do you suppose this is getting so much hate? It's
2: the internet, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's what it's designed okay, for. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. Well,
2: the, the, I think there's probably two things. One is they did this really sort of clunky sort of disc system that they sold separately. So you save onto sort of, they're not quite three and a half, but they're sort of particular type of floppy discs. That um, So that was a little bit clunky. And the fact that it's only one sound, I think, might, might but it's 12-bit. But what's really great is when you, when you press a low key and then hits, and then hit sample, you'll have an extremely long sample, but at a very low bit rate. And then just before you press the sample button, if you do the other thing, or you know, if you do it really high, you get the highest bit rate, but a very short sample. So it's just really, very, very quick, very logical. You like, well, do I want a crusty sample that's really long, or do I want a good quality sample that's really short? And you've you've made that decision, and you've got your sample in under sort of two seconds. You know, it's 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 a really ingenious bit of kit, and I. I think you know this is something that I've sort of made it my mission to talk about but I just don't think that the Japanese designers of this hardware get get enough props we don't know their names in the way that I think that we should do you know the people that designed the 909 the 808 the 303 um you know the four track tape machines um the boss tape you know the the chorus echoes and the tape echoes um you know, my my first synth was a Roland Alpha Juno Two. You know, all the analog synths. These incredible Japanese designers. You know, and the contribution they've made to electronic music, I think, is really under talked about and really under represented. So I just want to. Um, maybe I can turn my my Kyoto um, Buddhist studio into a retreat for retired. Um, hardware ma- ma- manufacturers.
0: Yeah, like like what they do with the Army sometimes and they have those kind of like <laughs> yeah. like the Chelsea Pensioners or whatever you
2: could have. The, uh, the 808 Pensioners. <laughs> the version of that for like Japanese. Exactly. But, that, you that know, cool. ex- extraordinary. You know, my whole shtick, if you like, is built on this Akai 612. You know, that's <laughs> the thing that I, that's the thing that transformed my understanding of what sound could do, you know, and um, wouldn't have happened if there hadn't been, you know, those. Yeah,
0: that that tool to do it.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so, item number 4. Uh, how many am I allowed? 6. 6. 6. Okay. Uh, this is where the freestyling becomes hard. <laughs> I'm just trying to think, do I need anything else? I was going to say do I need 6? Can I can I wow. have 4? Now, okay, I'm just
1: I'm just gonna remind you here that you are not allowed to just sneakily bring a piano and a guitar that's not mentioned. So you must be sampling something. What are you What are you gonna be sampling with the six one two, for example? He's sampling cheeseburgers, well,
0: it's chaos.
2: <laughs> he doesn't care. He'll make music out of cheeseburgers. Well, you just record that on your phone and then just upload your phone into. Th- into the, <laughs> there you go. Into the thing. I mean, my next record is made out of a billion th- sounds, and I. But what it is, it's going to be one sound broken down into a billion pieces and heard in different ways. So I'm just trying to work out what that sound is. It might be a mosquito uh, moment I swat a mosquito or it might be somebody saying a phrase or it might be a car driving over a cliff or it might be um, a tree being chopped down. I I don't know what it is yet. I'm still trying to work it through. But um, I just go out and record what I need outside of the studio and then bring it back, you know. So maybe would you? I mean, would you f- for that situation? Let's 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 focus
0: on us doing that in Kyoto in the My Forever Studio. You've got a Mac, you've got a Burl. That's pretty, unless you want to sample on your phone, I guess. But do you, I mean, do you want some kind of decent portable recording thing? Do you need some Earthworks mics and a high quality recorder? I mean, how do you go about sampling the outside world right now?
2: Increasingly, I ask, I get other people to do it, um, and I don't. I I I do that partly it's a sort of partly a political gesture as well as a sort of making my life easier gesture but also I really like sharing like it's a, I really love working with sound because it opens up the world in a completely different way and it allows you to hear the world through different people so I uh I made a big band record about Brexit and on there there's a track called No Man's Land which um I had somebody walk the Northern Ireland border mm. and record so- sounds all along the border. That would have taken sort of three and a half, four weeks, and I just didn't—I couldn't take that time away from my family to do that. Mm. And um, the Charlie Morris who did it with his w- with his friend—they just had a complete blast, and they recorded so many things that I wouldn't have recorded. And it just—it just felt like. Uh, and they missed their flight because they got the time wrong. So they did it in reverse. So they did it in the opposite way that that, that I was thinking they would. good. they bought a sh- they got a shotgun for some reason. Started firing shotguns. <laughs> so you can you can hear like sh- the sounds of gunfire on the on the track. So what it does is it it opens out the storytelling in a way. To so yes, it makes my life easier because it doesn't mean I I, can't, I don't have to be away from the family for three weeks. But it also starts to feel like the creative process is not just. Not just one slightly tyrannical Trump-like white man in a studio just deciding how the world should sound, you know. <laughs> and it starts to sort of share those. So it democratizes the 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 record the a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and that record ended up with you know over a thousand people contributing, um, over a over thousand musicians, over a thousand singers, you know. So huge ended up being a huge vast sort of landscape of people and perspectives and when you talk about Brexit and the idea of collaboration you're sort of living the politics of it so I'm not really bothered if the, if it's recorded on a phone or if it's recorded on something fancy in as much as you know that's part of the story you know if you're recording um, I don't know if you're in Myanmar at the moment recording protests you're probably not there with you know fancy gear and you, you might be having to be record Uh, in secret because it might be your life might be in danger if they catch you recording it or something like that so the medium and the way that you're recording it tells you about the kind of circumstances that that you're in and so i'm interested in those format shifts as well you know so maybe item number four could be some
0: kind of Stasi recording device (laughs) isn't that just a mobile phone (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) Oh yeah, that's true. You got that. I, yeah. I
2: mean, you've 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 given you've given up all your information, yeah, all your we, personal we, we've information. We've all signed up to that <laughs> uh, for the chance of sending a gift to your mate. Yeah, a, worth it. Yeah, it's <laughs> worth it. <laughs> it's worth it. Okay. Have my life. I want those cat memes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'd I'd be I'm okay with that. Um, I think probably the thing that I haven't I, the thing that I haven't said that I would like would be some sort of MIDI keyboard. And, yeah. And I'd be happy for you to sort of decide what it what it might be. I I tend to use Akai ones because I, they're um the the actions a bit they're sort of quite solidly built and the actions got sort of quite fun and you've got the pads. So do you go for
0: sort of synth action rather than the weighted piano key? action? Definitely
2: not the weighted key action because oh. uh, if you're triggering the sound, you know, I made a record out of a pig, and if you've got a pig being uh, a pig's head <laughs> dropping onto a stainless steel floor or something like that. And it's you've got quite a sort of sharp, spiky sound. You don't want it to be, you, you don't want there to be resistance in the sound because you might be trying to go.
0: Obviously, if it was a different animal's head, maybe not. Yeah, uh,
2: maybe if it was a ant head, <laughs> yeah, there'd exactly. be some more leeway. But you, um, the thing with working with samples is that the the note off is as important as the note on. Yeah. So how long you let a sample run is and where it stops. It's not like a piano that has this nice decay on it.
0: I think that's um, that's something that's often overlooked in in synthesis as well. Like, I remember interviewing Chromio many, many years ago and like the kind of, the length of every MIDI note, the tiniest amount could change it from sounding funky to it's just sounding like...
2: Absolutely. You know, yeah. like
0: that real, it can really change how a synth sounds. And I think... I think that's that's yeah. one thing with plugins and, and hardware as well, isn't it? The difference is how you interact with it. Like when you've got yeah. the keyboard attached to the synthesizer you're operating and it's all made to work as one, you actually physically play it differently than if you've got a MIDI keyboard attached to a plugin. And obviously the latency and stuff that's involved in that it just feels different.
2: I think that's right. And I often, you know, I I did one record where I just used like mpc pads even though it was all of melodic records and i wrote it all on that and I'm, sometimes i write orchestral stuff on that just to sort of change how you get stuff again it's like moving the studio around it's just yeah. to stop you getting into patterns and yeah
0: especially and reaching for the so, same chords or the same finger spreads oh, and things yeah. like that yeah yeah exactly so where are we at in the forever studio are you, are you going to are you going to be a complete rebel and only have, what, three items? No, you've actually got four now because no. you've got the
2: MPK controller as well. Oh, uh, yeah. So I've got some sort of Akai keyboard, yeah. a mic, a sampler. Because once you've got a microphone and a sampler, you can do anything. You, and a desk. You can, yeah, or even without... You don't even need the desk. Uh, to be honest, I'm not. maybe, I, maybe I'll give the desk back. <laughs> what? No! <laughs> I love how cavalier you're being about this because you're breaking the format. Well, but it's, it's, good. it's good. I think it's... Yeah, it's good. Uh, you know, I'm a really... I, I think about this a lot. I'm really um I think partly because I've spent so much money and so much time trying and working with loads and loads of different equipment and selling it quite quickly. Um, you realise how important these tiny increments are and also how completely pointless and irrelevant they are. And I you know, I often think somebody who has a who I've found had a similar sort of approach or what have you or, but it was even worse than me was well, worse. is not the right word was with Mika Levy um, who people might know for under the skin soundtrack or Mika chewing the shapes. Um, mm. But she, she just did everything on the computer, uh, on the laptop, you know, again, like caps lock and no EQ, no compression, no anything. And she would create the most extraordinary stuff just with, whatever was to hand and there was no thought uh, not that there was no thought, but there was no um, fetishization of gear or anything like that. And so as a consequence, there was a sort of real freshness to it, but that came from her musicality and her understanding of the materials and being able to construct gorgeous shapes from, from anything that she could turn her hand to in a way that I guess an artist, you know, presumably Picasso with a, with a, a twig that's fallen on the ground and a, mm. and a, and a, and a, sort of and a kind of an apple core or what have you could make something extraordinary doesn't necessarily need, um, beautiful paints or, or what, what have you. And the best paper and the best paintbrush and things like that. So I really swing between those two things, which is on one hand, you don't need anything. And on the other hand, well, if you're going to do it, it would be really nice to have a Bricasti reverb. Um, (laughs) You know, if you're going to have reverb, what you might as well, you know, you might as well have the best one. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so I'm really, I, I really sort of go backwards and forwards, uh, go backwards and forwards on it. The difficulty is, is once you've heard the difference, it's hard to go back. So once you have the best one, once you've spotted the difference, um, particularly on things like converters, once you've heard a cheap converter compared to an expensive converter, it's there's, it's really, really difficult to just accept the, the sort of crappier one.
0: Just going to circle back to: Do you want to get
2: some speakers for your studio? <laughs> 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 um what do i so i've got a converter i've got a mic i've got a sampler you've got two more items left basically
0: so you can have some speakers hopefully <laughs> <laughs> you really want me to
2: have some speakers it's so, so
0: it's freaking me out it's freaking me out what's wrong with headphones you know it's like you're in a but I'm, well you still need to get some headphones though you, you don't, don't get, them get them for free, free. Well, you can have like iPod headphones if you're happy with those. Okay, all right, phone, then I'll, I'll have a pair of
2: Sennheiser HD25s. Okay. And just sort of really great, proper headphones, sturdy, can replace them. Um, I've tried countless other headphones, but I just always come back to them. I think also because I like DJ, so having a having a, a sort of DJ headphones that you can also use. In Reversible system. housing and all yeah, of that kind exactly. of stuff. And, and, yeah. Yeah. I just think the base is best in them it's not particularly accurate but it's just pleasurable you know it's just it's nice to listen to them um so what i've got some headphones a usb keyboard a mic and a sampler so that's four have you getting rid of the desk possibly <laughs> <laughs> you know i tried to sell my desk last year briefly um because i was like you know i was doing so much film and tv music and the i was on average i was mixing. Um, and preparing tracks for mix, I was probably mixing sort of thirty or forty tracks a day for a period of about sort of seven or eight months, and there's just no way you can have an analog component in the just the time it takes to literally run in real time, even if I want to, you know, go put in some sort of. Comp- something eq or some nice sort of vibe box or what have you as an in-out plug-in thing like that it just isn't the time for it i just wasn't using it so i didn't use it for sort of 14 months and then during lockdown i fired it up again i was like oh my god this thing's gorgeous but then it's really a can of worms and if you're only saying i can have six then what's you know then what's a desk if you've not got um you know the a brocasty reverb or a nice delay unit or you know Three pairs of monitors, you know, big pair, small pair, medium pair, um that kind of thing. So I'm just sort of wondering instead whether actually there's something zen about having, you know, a laptop, USB keyboard, a sample. Yeah. Let's do, because we're getting towards the end now
0: anyway. So let's do the rundown, Matthew. Have a listen to Will do the rundown of what you've got. Okay. And we'll include the desk for now and then if you when you listen back to it if you feel like something's missing we can we can do that and we can fill in the rest and then talk Mm. about your luxury item at the end okay take us through it will
1: okay you're in kyoto in a buddhist temple with monks and nuns maintaining the grounds and your gear and some studio rodents to keep you grounded you have a fully specced macbook pro laptop your audio interface is a burl mothership b80 your daw is logic pro x for your six items, although you've only chosen five so far, you have a Chandler Red microphone, an Akai six twelve sampler, you have an Akai MPK two sixty one controller keyboard, that's the biggest one with all the pads on it. For listening, you have the Sennheiser HD twenty five headphones, and you have the space for it in the temple, a Rupert Neve Designs fifty eighty eight console.
2: Um I think I'll I'll get rid of my I'll get rid of the Neve. Okay. Okay. Which Um, leaves you two more items. Yeah, and I get my, I get the Chander, I get the little Chanda mini mixer instead. What's that one? It's just a sort of, it says it's a sixteen channel um, uh, summing mixer, but it's got transformers on every channel. Oh, okay, yeah, the rack one. Yeah, the rack one. Yeah, exactly. So I'll have one of those, um, so I know I can get sound out if I want to. Um, Because you don't, there's no point having the Neve with like six auxes if you've got nothing to put on the orcs, you know, and... um, Unless you have something on the orcs, you have one item left. Well, I'm now feeling so much pressure to have speakers. Good. (laughs) The the
0: relief just washed over me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I felt like Patrick Bateman, uh, getting a good reservation.
2: (laughs) Uh. No, I'm going to get rid of the and I'm going to get rid of the Chanda, no speakers, that's it. I'm going to have four (laughs) items. I'm going to have a mic... I have a mic, a sampler, a USB keyboard, and a Mac. On there. Okay, and I'm a done. Burl interface. And a Burl interface. <laughs> <laughs> Mind you, the Burl interface doesn't have any... Um, can I trade the Burl interface for something else? Because that doesn't have any headphone out. Headphone out so.
0: <laughs> Your rebellious but side has got you into a right pickle here. Well, I, I don't like need it.
2: it. I don't okay. need it, do I? I don't no. need it.
0: What, what, what need are you going to get instead of the Burl, then? Focus, right, Scarlett Solo. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm offering. Can I get a really nice teapot? <laughs>
2: what? That, that, that could be your luxury item if you want. Uh, no, well, I, I want something else from my luxury item. Okay. Can I get a really okay. nice teapot and, okay. and cupped? I don't know if that's a bundle. Yeah. Short a, and different. stout or? I'll show you. I'll show you. Hang on. Matthew's
0: going to get a, a teapot a, to show a teapot. us here. I thought he was going to stand up and do a teapot impression.
1: Yeah, me too. Um, And this just to be clear, this is replacing the Burl mothership. In, yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay. Reveal the teapot. So like a nice handmade sort of, this is Tenmoku Japanese. I'm quite into my Japanese pottery. So it's a Tenmoku glaze. Um, It's actually made, it's British, Adam Ross, a ceramicist over here. So maybe like a nice teapot. It does look nice. It's kind Um, of got a kind of Darth Vader shiny vibe about it as well, which is cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm very, very analog. And I think that's what's been helpful about for me about this process is that i'm very very pro analog i love my gear and i spent a lot of money and time and effort over the years refining it and finding the best stuff for what i want to achieve but actually it's like a millstone you know it's like a kind of it's a drag on the creative process you know and it's it's the number of times it gets in the way like this pot's crackly or i can't quite get the sound or anything like that and because for, I don't think it's the right, necessarily the right approach, but as I've got older, I haven't to work faster and faster. I'm now having to do more and more in less and less time. So, you know, uh, a few years ago, I, I did a film uh, called fantastic, a fantastic woman. And uh, it went on to win a best Foreign film Oscar. And I met the director and three and a half weeks later, I had to deliver the finished score. So from meeting the director to delivering an orchestral score was three and a half weeks. And and that was a few years ago and now that's become the standard now. So I did a film this I did a film this winter where I had to do forty two cues um in two and a half weeks over Christmas, including recording it and mixing it and things like that. The turnover is so fast now, everybody expects it. And so I've got into that kind of rhythm and I guess maybe being in in, you know, a Buddhist buddhist temple or what have you would would change that perspective but it's really you know we everyone talks a lot about this hybrid approach but for me i just feel like it's sort of one or sort of it ends up just being one or the other it's like i'm either in the box and I'm working really quickly and I could, I've got instant recall all the time or I'm taking my time and the analog thing becomes really zen and, it's like an all or nothing approach basically you have to go all in with it you know if you're going to go analog you've got to go ana- you know that's a, it's a sort of a process of surrender you know you have to surrender to all its its insecurities its mess its thing and all the rest of it and you just just um, and I, I don't think that that's um, yeah I don't think that's for everybody but that's just you know that's where that's where i've got to you know okay so
0: run us down we've got rid of the burl for a teapot what's what's the final <laughs> setup now then Will? you're locking that in as your final setup
1: yeah yeah that's fine is that the luxury item the teapot are we saying
0: no no we've still got a luxury item to go that was to replace the bell which is kind of a well mind you the only thing
2: is i i've, I've still got to get the mic i've still got to get the into, mic signal into the yeah into it's got, got a computer. preamp but you're gonna gonna need something
0: All right. Those little
2: adapters from Maplin. (laughs) 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 Okay. All right. Well, I'll take the I'll take the bell just to get the the mic signal into the computer.
0: Okay. So how many items is that? We've got four. You've still got a pretty slender approach here. That's still four items, right?
2: All right. Okay. I'll take another mic so I can do stereo recording if I want. Two mics of the same one. Yeah. Yeah. Match pair. Nice. Lovely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Then I'm done. And then. Okay. Then so do the rundown. Will just do the rundown quickly again, and then we're nearly done.
1: We're in Kyoto, in the Buddhist temple. You have a fully spec'd MacBook Pro laptop, Burl Mothership B80 for the interface, Logic Pro X, a stereo pair of Chandler red microphones, the Akai S612 sampler, your controller keyboard, the Akai, and your Sennheiser HD25s. Okay, sound good. You're happy? Yeah, yeah, that's all right. That'll do. Thank cool. You. You're welcome. So
0: all we have now is the luxury item, which is a non-bit of gear. So what would that be?
2: Full Japanese tea shop. <laughs> no, I think I'd probably like a pair of nail clippers, <laughs>
0: <laughs> just so you don't have proper. <laughs> well, <there's> nothing <laughs>
2: worse than you know when you touch the keyboard and you get like the clicking sound of like fingernails on keys. It's the worst thing. And also, I just think that nail clippers are the thing that's really hard to. I think they're so great for the job, and if you <laughs> if you do it with scissors, it can be really. Uh, you're laughing, but I'm actually serious. Yeah, no, it is dangerous
0: <laughs> with scissors. I know you just can't really get in
2: there. No, and uh, yeah. and um, and once you noticed your, <laughs> once you noticed your, why are you laughing? Once you notice your uh, fingernails are too long, it can, it, uh, I think it drives you nuts. Um, so. and because it's a luxury item, should we should we have
0: solid gold nail clippers, or or you're not bothered about that? Do you want them signed by somebody
2: that you admire, a famous <laughs> nail clipper? Maybe. I mean, he's he's. Died, bless him. But Rupert Neve, if I could get Rupert Neve's oh. and signature on his on the on the nail clippers, yeah,
0: that would be nice. Some gold-plated mm. Rupert Neve nail clippers, yeah, that's good. Yeah, Neve should make some of those in commemoration. A Matthew <laughs> Herbert edition, that would be good. <laughs> yeah. What a wonderful and bizarre podcast that was. I loved it. Thank you so much, man. It was really a real, real privilege. Oh, no we, we had a, a real laugh. No um worries. So, yeah, what's coming
2: up for you post-lockdown? Uh, you, you roll TV soundtracks? Yeah, so I, I'm lucky, which is like the sort of TV and film work sort of kicked off at the same time that the gigs stopped. So um, did a, I've done a, a, a series called The Beast Must Die, which is on BritBox with Jared Harris and Kush Jumbo. I've done season two of Temple for Sky. Um, I've done a new Herbert album, um, which I did in three or four days just during lockdown. Just one day I was like, oh, I'm just going to make a record so that's the one i did with nine nine singers so that um the first single's out soon for
0: that and you excited about touring and getting out there again or or has it been quite nice so have you missed
2: it what's how's that felt um it's been i've definitely missed it but it's been really nice to be with the family you know like having kids and not um yeah having kids has been and missing that, particularly at weekends when they're back from school and being abroad. So it's been really brilliant to spend some time with them. Um, I, I've actually missed the DJing thing. I, I really miss the kind of physical, the sound, like a loud. Oh god, I'm not very coherent now. But the sort of loudness, the kind of the overwhelming sort of your body being pummeled by sound. I really missed that actually. And so I'm, I'm excited yeah. about uh, excited about that. Um, I'm starting a new religion about listening um, over the summer. Uh, I finished my PhD in lockdown, so I'm now a doctor. Dr. Herbert? You should have told us that at the beginning. Then I
0: could have said it the whole yeah. time. Get you used to it, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Herbert.
2: No, I don't want to. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure I want to use it very often, but um, but that felt nice to sort of put all your music together because it was a music by publication, so you can put your previous music together and and, and sort of do that. And then maybe I've got a massive Studio Fire sale as well in, uh, <laughs> in a couple of months. <laughs> sounds like it. Yeah,
0: it sounds like that's coming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody watch out on eBay or Reverb yeah. or wherever it's going to be for yeah the Studio Fire sale. Well, that that brings us to the end of the podcast. Thank you so much, Mr. Dr. Matthew Herbert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll hopefully speak to you again soon. Thank you so much. No worries. Thanks a so lot well a rule breaking rebel until the very end brilliant stuff from matthew herbert there a fantastic
1: guest he just didn't want to have his dreams upsold did he chris
0: yeah. yeah he didn't yeah we tried our best but um anyway as is our duty to remind you if you are loving the my forever studio podcast make sure you subscribe using your favorite podcasting app and do give us a five star rating
1: <laughs> we do read all of the reviews and we love hearing uh, your guest suggestions so if you want to get in contact please do email us at editors at musictech.net.
0: Yes, please. And next week on our journey into studio forever, we have the legendary British superstar DJ and music tech early adopter, Sasha.
1: Yeah, he has loads of stories from his amazing career and he also flips the format so that his six items are only things he's lost, sold or had nicked. <laughs> yes,
0: excellent stuff. I can't wait. Goodbye. See you next week.
1: See you next week. Bye-bye.